Welcome to Pure Awesome Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 144. 144, yeah. That's right. Taking those steps to the 150 hour. Actually, it's going to be more than 150 hours of the podcast. Yeah, because each episode's usually more than an hour. Some are a little longer. Remember the short ones we did? Yeah, there's like three short ones. Is it three? I thought it was more. Like, it's weird. Like, I don't even know how we could only go half an hour now. Yeah. And there's Mm -hmm. so much to talk about in this episode. But before we do that, if you guys haven't caught our latest interview with Mark Meyer, I really think you should. Yeah, check it out. It was a good. Like, I think they're all awesome, but this one, this one was good. Yeah, I mean, I mean one, they're all good. It's one of those one ones that good. got me motivated, pumped up, ready to ready to get out of this quarantine so I can go out there and do some auctions. Yeah, and you can do auctions now. I've actually been on some auctions. Yeah. So now there haven't it hasn't been great. It's kind of weird. I I, I want to go live. I like live. Mm. I like the competition. But I'm one of those guys that will overbid on something because I want to win even mm-hmm. if I lose. That's not good. <laughs> that is not. Maybe good. you shouldn't do auctions then. No, because if you no. can't if you can't fix that, then you you probably shouldn't do I it. I know, but I'm taking I'm taking Mark's advice and I'm just observing. Good. Now online, you can't just observe. Like you can you can bid because you could do the research. But I want to go to live ones. Whenever that is, I don't know when that's gonna be. But but there it's not just about auctions in that podcast. It's about everything. Right. It's about how to sell on different platforms, how to price items, how to move items. And I just wanted to share. I, I just was so motivated by this this interview. One line that has stuck with me. And every time I get an offer, I think about it. It's inventory light, cash heavy. Yep. Right. That's what we want to do right now. Cause right now, if you can't source, make that space, move that items, keep that cash flow, right? Stack that cash because I truly believe there is going to be a ton of opportunity. Regardless of how the economy goes, I think there's still going to be a lot of opportunity after this. Just my thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think, um, in fact, one of the things I was going to talk about, like that I've done, um, kind of how things have been for me for the last week. Uh, if you watch Instagram, you saw I, I kind of cleared out my my inventory. I did some some reorganizing, and it felt really good because I talked before. Uh, we've talked a lot about like when you're in a cluttered environment, it just it doesn't feel good. Like there's just a certain amount of anxiety. Uh, I feel it right now at my at my the, our fifth wheel that we live in, we've got, I've got my tools and stuff all over the place. I've been trying to like clean it out and make it so it's efficient to work in. But because I'm there much more than I've been in the past mm-hmm. and I don't have that clean space to kind of work in and be at, um, it's, it, it can, it can cause anxiety, right? Like if you're doing a project at home and your kitchen's, you know, in shambles, cause you're taking out the cabinets or whatever you're doing, like being in an environment like that can cause just a, a bit of frustration that you you kind of carry with you, even though you, you're not necessarily like identifying like this is why I feel this way. Um, so I, I knew that that if I could get my my inventory cleaned up, that would help. And one of the things we did is like, all right, so we've cleaned out inventory in here. Now let's go through our store. You know, you got to imagine you've got your physical store, you know, your storage, and then you've got your online store. So I was like, let's go through and start cleaning up some of the online inventory. And one of the things that eBay does is it tells you for certain items, especially if it's been a long time, how long an item's kind of had no movement, mm-hmm. right? And so it's really sad. We found several items that it's like 16 months of like no activity. Oh, good. As long as it's still profitable. Yeah, but it was kind of one of those things, right? Like like you said, if if, I, if my goal really is let's come out of this time, this season, inventory light and capital heavy, right? Like if that's mm-hmm. if that's my goal, then I'm going to go through everything that's that old I'm going to end the listing. I'm going to sell similar oh, and I'm no, going to reduce crazy. the price. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so just from that, like, I think we did like 24 items or something like that. And in, in like an hour period, we we're just like, yeah, let's, let's end it. Let's drop $5 off of this. Let's drop $10 off of this. 
within like three hours, like six of those things sold. Oh, that's awesome. You know? And so yeah, it's like, man, great. this is just stuff that's been sitting around. And there's some things that if they sell at the prices that we've dropped it down to, uh, we're going to be, you know, only making a few dollars. But at this point, it's like, okay, like this item, I might make $10 if it sells at full price. I might make $2 if it sells at this new price that I've dropped it down to. Um, or even if I break even, this is something that's just sitting in my inventory. And I'd rather have this cash available, build this capital up so that way I can get out there and really have capital because you learn a lot, right? In 16 months, the things you're buying are different. So if you've got an item that you bought 16 months ago, you, you might today not buy that item. And if you're like, man, if I had that $20 I spent on that, blah, 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 I would have bought X, Y, and Z instead. And so now I get the opportunity to do that by kind of clearing out some of that inventory. And you know, it's felt good. That's awesome. And it speaks highly of just reselling itself in the sense that if there's anything, and we're seeing this more and more as, you know, despite the economic downturn, that reselling is possibly recession proof. We, we won't know. I mean, there's a lot of resellers that have gone through OA and we'll say that we haven't gone through that. I'm really hoping that, you know, this time next year when we're dropping episodes, we're talking about, wow, like we're in a recession, but things are still good. Right. The other thing is. If there's ever kind of business that you can stack and know that you will not lose, as long as your, you know, your price point is right when you're purchasing stuff, it's reselling. Mm. Right? Because you think about it, like some of your items that you paid what a buck for, two bucks, five, like it's gonna be profitable. Right now, if you're in the retail arbitrage game and Amazon, that's a whole other ball game, right? But even then, you can still hedge your bets, you can still win. It's just a different kind of winning. Yeah. Right. So, so that's good. You got those sales. And so do you believe in that self-similar theory or you like, end and self-similar and like it puts it up in the listings again? And yeah, I mean, I'm sure, sales? I'm sure there's something about an item going stagnant and I don't, I don't know, you know, like anything, I always feel like there's a, there's a, a tipping point where it's, it's beneficial and then it's no longer beneficial, right? Like there's what, what we'd call in economics, the law of diminishing returns, right? And I learned this, um, and I may have talked about this in a previous podcast, but it was such a good thing. Like uh, there was two different ways, like I learned law of diminishing returns. And this was like in high school economics class and it stuck with me. And I think that this principle applies in so much of what we do with reselling. If you learn more than supply and demand, you won already. Oh yeah. Because econ, econ in high school, it's an interesting class. Yeah. I mean, I probably had a really good instructor. My instructor was awesome. But uh, with law of diminishing return, what he did is like, all right, here's a stack of papers. There's like five different papers that you have to staple together in a certain order. And then here's staplers. So how fast, like how many can you get done in a minute with just you, with the with the supplies in front of you? It's like, all right, now let's add two people to the mix, okay? And so it's like, okay, well, if you have one person stacking and one stapling, you get twice as much done or you can get more. Then eventually you get to a point where you're like, all right, well, if you add four people, are you getting four times as much done? What if you had 10 people? At a certain point, it's like it's cluttered and you can't really make it more efficient. And it's actually, you're, you're starting to go back down and how fast you can get these done. Mm -hmm. And you're actually making less of them per person than if you were just in pairs or just, and that idea, that concept goes with a lot of things. And I think the idea of the law of diminishing returns kind of goes for other elements too, right? Like, okay, so there's probably a certain point where if something's been stagnant for a while, you know, going in, spending the time to change listings, might get it, you know, refresh and, and get those sales. But then if you're doing that every month, are you, are you getting diminishing returns? Is it like you're, it would have been better to have let it go for six months rather than do it every single month for six months. Ah, that is such a good point. You know, I was wondering where we were going with Yeah. That. So it's like, but it's where's true. that, where's that tipping point of like, now I'm wasting time or, you know, there's after a certain point, it actually becomes time efficient, right? It's kind of the, the return you're getting is you're, mm -hmm. it's, it's a, uh, uh, an economic turn, uh, return in the sense of you're going to be getting profit on the items you're selling. But if you're going through your store every single week and you're changing things or every month, at a certain point, it's like 
you're, you're putting in too much time and you're not getting paid back for it. 100%. So, so trying to find that, like, I don't know where that level is. And that's just going to come with playing around with like, okay, do you let an item sit for six months before you end it, sell similar and try and change something? Is that where it's most time efficient? Well, I don't know. Maybe it is if you've got 500 items, but if you've got a thousand items, maybe it's not, right? So you got to find that, where is it most efficient for you to spend your time doing that? And and maybe one easy way of doing that is just setting setting a certain you know mark where like once a month, I go through items that are six months old, right? And and you just spend your time like that and you're, you're kind of disciplined as opposed to, you know, like I've done and let it go 16 months, but I don't know, maybe 16 months is the point where it's worth doing it if you're constantly getting inventory. And if I were to do it more often than that, Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it wouldn't have as much return on my time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm the extreme of that. Like I'll let things go. Probably now seven years in my inventory. Wow. Right. But the price point was low enough that even still, if we're to sell right now, I'd it'd still be profitable. Now, the items that I have that I sold seven years ago, probably less than fifty. Right. And and I think it it just gets better because you know the longer you resell, the better you source. Right. So the stuff that's hanging out there is is stuff that like I, sh- I had no business picking up. But would it be I guess where I'm where I th- I'm thinking this is would it be beneficial to take those 50 items, sell it all basically at cost or a little bit above where you're you're coming out of it, where you you you're making maybe a little bit of money. Maybe you broke even maybe you lost 10 percent on your total purchase of those 50 items. But now you have that capital that you can go out and buy more stuff as opposed to maybe this waits another three years. It sells and I make five dollars off it. Right. Like the economic return of if I have this money, if I can recoup five hundred dollars, you know, over the next month and then spend that and invest it over the next two years, that five hundred dollars is going to make me a lot more than if I let this item sit for another couple of years and I make an extra 10 percent on it. On those, I would say no. Because I, in that time, I could list 10 items that I, I, you know, I sourced recently and I'm selling for 50 to 100 bucks each. So I'd rather spend the time doing that than lose the time trying to figure out what items they are, pricing it down, and then it sells, then it pack it and ship it at a lower price. Just I just keep it where it is. It's not a big deal. It's less of a headache. And I could be wrong, but for me, it's, it's, not, it's not worth it to me. I mean, I guess that makes sense if you've got if you've got a ton of inventory reserves of things you haven't listed yet. But if you're one of those resellers who you're finding a difficult time because you're not able to source as much and you're seeing your death pile go down and down and down, maybe it is worthwhile. Like whatever you can do to be inventory light and and capital heavy, capital rich by the end of this, that's that's what you may no, want I to be focusing yeah. on. Capital capital's a big deal. I mean, you know, there's a difference between having 500 items and a hundred of them, you probably shouldn't have bought. Right. Where you have, you know, 2,500 items and there's like 50 to hundred of them you shouldn't have bought. Right. Then it's like, okay, well, is it really worth my time? Right. I'm paying, well, right now you're not paying anything. We'll talk about that. Like eBay has been legit. I think I'm the only voice of positivity when it comes to these free listings, but I think it's headed in a certain direction, but we'll talk about it in a little bit. Anything else you want to share? Update? Um, I mean, I'm sure there's more we'll talk about during the podcast, but you know. All right. So sales still have been good though? Yeah. I mean, really good. Um, pretty much have sold, like I've mentioned in a previous podcast, like I, I sold my last like really cool new niche board game that I have. I've got some now, some like vintage board games, uh, but it's kind of a sad seeing all those go. Um, one, I remember I told my wife, I was like, what am I going to do once all of our department 56? Like that was my big find. Right. And then it's like, okay, I had a bunch of board games. I had a bunch of, and so now I'm seeing all of these items going. It's like, man, what's going to be my next big find, you know, that's going to like yeah, carry yeah. me through or it's like, all right, here's like a $5,000 profit. I'm going to be able to make over the next six months. I'm, I'm waiting for one of those. Um, 
but uh but yeah i mean so seeing my department 56 stuff pretty much gone or getting close to dwindling having board games dwindling um it's cool seeing that stuff go and the the money coming in for it but you know it, it's also like man I, I need some more stuff and there and there's plenty out there there's plenty out there so and the other thing i will say though like what i what i've noticed is like you 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 talked about i remember this was like early in the podcast you would say stuff like man when am i ever going to get that big score right when and you've had some of those already mm-hmm. right think about that i mean it it's it's one of those things that you don't realize it until it starts happening more and more and then you forget about the days where you're just hoping for that one time where you could drop 200 bucks and make like 2k right or drop 500 to make 3 or 4k right but it's out there and it's it's out there now i mean it, it depends and we'll talk about like how e-commerce is shifting but there is opportunity now sales for me still has been crazy now i will throw a disclaimer that I have actually been working harder on eBay now than I've ever worked before. So is it because of the economy? Is it because Orlando decided to list more and like take things more seriously? I don't know. Right. But any opportunity that I can to send an offer, I'm sending an offer, any opportunity that I can make a sale, I'm pretty much converting every sale unless it's super low baller or, you know, I'm, I'm just annoyed or it's something I really care about. <laughs> and on top of that, I'm just listing, listing, listing morning, afternoon, evening. I'm going to the post office two to three times a day. I'm just, I'm just going at it because for me, it's capital rich. Like I want to come out of this and be able to go, all right, I'm going to show up at this garage sale. I will buy everything. If I go to an auction, I want to be able to buy everything. I, I want to get into you know, we've talked about maybe storage units. I don't know how that's going to look. I still think California to lose. At least that's my experience when I tried it, because as Mark said in the interview, like the competition's so crazy and it still is like that here. So I don't know, but I got to tell you, like right now, everything is selling from vintage clothing to kitchen appliances, to video games, to, okay, ties aren't selling. That's the one thing I will say ties dead. And actually it's, we have a list that we're going to talk about, about what are items that are declining in sales. And we're going to talk about anti-bolos and hopefully we're right. All right. Now, the other thing is, man, I've been sourcing on all these platforms. It is an experience. One is, uh, first of all, I will say, I don't like selling a Macari. Uh, I, I hate getting the notifications that people like my items. Like, I don't care if you like them. You want, really like them? Pay. <laughs> right? Or or somebody likes it. Drop your price by 5%. Like, eBay doesn't... eBay bothers me a little bit with that. They'll send me, like, an email. Like, items are in carts. But usually those items that are in carts end up on my send offers list. Right? You know, Poshmark, you'll get some of those, too. Like, people like it. I'm like, I, I don't care if you like it. Stop telling me. This isn't social media. This is a business now. And then when you source, and I'm going on a little rant here. Uh, so I will say the quality of items and the negotiation that you can do on platforms, eBay's king. You cannot, like you can't. Like, I've sourced on Mercari and the quality of items on Mercari are just not there in comparison to eBay. You At source, least for the niches you're in. At least in the niches I'm in, right? But I would say most niches because, I mean, I'm primarily clothing and I'm looking at clothing on there and I'm just like, at least men's clothing, right? I'm not finding, like you would think on Posh. I mean, I know it's been building, but I'm Makari, it's absent, but that's a good point on the niches I'm in. And then the quality of, of 
the items and not, and not only that, but the the listings. So it's like, it's really annoying. Like I go to Macari and on some listings, I can only offer a certain percentage below the price. Fine. I, I don't want to buy your stuff. Like you don't want to negotiate with me. I'm not going to negotiate with you. Now I know on eBay, you can do like the auto decline and that's okay. Like I don't mind being auto declined right away, but on Macari, I don't know if you source on there, but it says like, you can do this at 5% off, 10% or 20% off and doesn't let you go any further. Mm. And it's like, man, that guy lost multiple sales for me because I couldn't do any more, right? And then on Poshmark, right? Is everything is there free shipping on Poshmark? Um, well, I mean, uh, you, I mean, I've listed on Poshmark, but I don't pay attention. Yeah, I mean, the, the buyer always pays shipping. If you offer a discount, it has to be at least I think it's ten percent discount, and then you have to discount the shipping too. Uh, so there's a certain amount. Yeah, I think that's a loss for Poshmark. The loss. Like yeah, it, I mean, it, it is a bummer that you can't make an offer unless it's at least ten percent less. Yeah, and then every time it's like I, send offer, but like you're you're forced into it and needs to be at least X amount in order for you to send the offer. Yeah, and then on top of that, like I'll go to Poshmark and I'm like, oh, I like the price, I'm gonna buy this, and then it's like, oh, here's the shipping cost. Mm-hmm. Like eBay, I like how it's streamlined. It tells me if it's free shipping. It tells me it's a free return on Poshmark. There's none of that. Yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, I, I just I, I I think you know. Ebay gets a lot of flack, and I hear a lot of people go like, "Oh, Mercari is so awesome! You should go Mercari and you should go punch." And I think, I think there's value to those, but I still think there's a reason why, and not not only because eBay has been all around a long time, but I think eBay, I would say, caters to buyers that are willing to spend more money, right? And and I would say pretty much, I mean, there's very few people like you know Renzi now they sell shoes primarily on Poshmark and Mercari. I know a few other sellers. But I would say eBay overall is a place where most of my income comes from outside of Amazon. Yeah. And I, I what I'm kind of interested in, because I, I know obviously there's Mercari and uh, Poshmark is its own um, niche. It's a little different. It's hard to compare to eBay because it's, it's just got a different type of platform, trying, the way it tried to do social. Now, like we talked about on our last interview with Mark, uh, and, and I've been doing a lot of sourcing when it comes to like in-person sourcing and a lot of my big item sales have been through Facebook Marketplace, right? Like fa- I see Facebook Marketplace as being this big, like it is, it's crushed Craigslist. I feel like, I feel like in a lot of ways it's, well, it's did, overtaken. Did it, take a, did it take a lot to crush Craigslist? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I still think there's a, a group of people who are using Craigslist the way they use it. I mean, I feel like, I feel like trying to compare like Craigslist in a lot of ways is dead and it has its problem, but it, it's kind of like the eBay in the sense of like, it's, no way, it's, not even close. Craigslist has not changed their interface since the nineties. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying it's, it's the, it's like the tried and true, like people go there. There's still a lot of people. They're not going to do other things. If you're not like hip to like new platforms that are out, like what, what's offer up? What's like people, everybody knows Craigslist. So, mm-hmm. so I think there's going to be a group of people like it, it's kind of the tried and true whether or not they change and make things better, the kind of thing do they need to, right? Like they do what they do. It's free. It is what it is. Um, but then, you you know, you have offer up, you've got all of these other let go, right? And, and a lot of these can be done locally. Um, but I think Facebook Marketplace is is starting to really pick up. It's like local game as mm-hmm. far as its popularity. I agree with that, yeah. And what I think what might make a, a challenge for eBay um, or it might become a big competitor for eBay is they also have shipping. And if they can like figure that out and if more people are doing lots of local, because when I just talk to my friends who aren't resellers, right, that, mm-hmm. that just, they buy things, I'd say nine out of 10 of them that are buying things are getting things on Facebook marketplace or they're getting things on offer up. Right. And, and I get like, there's, that's not everybody. A lot of people still buy things on, on eBay. I get that. I get like a big portion of the population does, but a lot of people, at least in their early twenties and thirties are buying things 
locally, right? And if they start to realize like, hey, but I can also buy this thing on, I'm, I'm scrolling Facebook Marketplace for a new dresser and it's like, oh, here's this thing and I can have it shipped to me. I think there might be a competition if Facebook Marketplace See, but, might grow into that market where eBay is. It's possible. My counter to that is where's the majority of the money in this country? Oh, for sure. And is that's why I mean- the 20s and 30s or is it the 40 plus? No, that's why I mean like as time goes, right? Like, like eBay, if eBay doesn't capture 20 year olds, which like Poshmark, Thread up, Mercari, like all those things were like aimed at younger people, right? Mm-hmm. And like you th- talk about Gary Vee all the time, like one of his big deals is like a new platform comes out, there's a new app and it's it's uh, kind of like aimed towards junior hires. I'm on there. Why? Because those are the next customers. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, they're no, going to no, no. be I, the buying power. No, so I so I, I agree that like right now, but I, I could see in the future as as more and more people, if, if, if Facebook Marketplace or something else, the nice thing with Facebook is it already has such a big platform right mm-hmm. and if it can transition there and so i just see like there could be some changes as far as that goes so um ebay might now might be the top place for sourcing but who knows like facebook marketplace even during this time where you can't do the local pickup stuff there's a lot of people who aren't especially you got to think niches right like if, like for instance if you're looking for vintage comic books yeah ebay but if you're looking for like newer stuff like newer board games newer um you know cards magic the gathering cards like those types of things i have way more luck on um, on Facebook Marketplace because it's not like big, almost like retailers. Like when you go to buy, you know, Magic the Gathering cards on eBay, it's like established stores, right? Like that's what they do. They, they're basically warehouses that do that. If I'm buying it on Facebook Marketplace, I'm buying it from Joe Schmo, who's got bought an extra box and he opened up half the packs. He's like, yeah, I don't really want to open the rest. And this was a bad buy. I'm going to sell these packs at a discount, right? So mm-hmm. when it comes to sourcing, <clears throat> I've had way more luck sourcing at least those types of things on like Facebook Marketplace. So, you know, it probably just depends on what niche you're in as far as where where you should be looking um, and just be thinking like, who who, who would my customers meet, be? And those customers are probably also the same people if you're trying to source items that you want to look for. Okay, what demographic is that and what platforms are they using? No, I see that. I see that. I will say as a seller, Facebook Marketplace is no different than Craigslist. <laughs> the amount of flakes that you get has not changed. Same on offer up, same on let go. I think there's something. What about, about the? What about the? Like, have you done like the online where you ship? Like, you've, I've I've never bought anything or sold anything where it's like shipped, but they have that as an option. I haven't because I like the discounts I get on eBay, you know. And and again, eBay has so many more eyes, like so many more eyes. It's, it's kind of like somebody today had posted on an Instagram saying, "Yeah, I had all the stuff listed on my Instagram page. Maybe I should put them on eBay." I'm like, "Yes, yes, put it on eBay." Like, unless you have you know a hundred million followers. You're probably better off being on eBay, right? And uh, yes, Facebook Marketplace has the ability of doing that. How far they'll go, I don't know. I We've said it, I think we said it, I don't know, 50 podcasts ago, that Facebook Marketplace of everything is probably the one that is poised to be a major competitor in e-commerce if they want, right? Because everybody's already self-connected, right? And they already, you know, they track our behaviors. They'll put all the ads about what we like, what we look at. I mean, <laughs> they'll control our minds. I mean, whatever it takes. To make those sales. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing about Facebook is it's that because you we were just talking about like, OK, who has the money in in the economy right now? OK, it's like 40 to, to 60 year olds, right? Like it's probably the biggest buying power. I don't know exactly, but that, that's probably a bigger buying power than 20 to 30 year olds or 18 to 30 year olds. So where are the younger kids right now? The younger kids, they're on Snapchat, they're on TikTok. Some of them, as you get a little bit more Instagram, right? When you think of Facebook, I think it's like the bridge between like Hey, there's a lot of grandparents on Facebook and there's a lot of younger people on Facebook. Not quite like the Are they teenagers. younger people on Facebook? Well, when Do I they say, know what it is? Well, that's what I mean. Like, I don't mean like, okay, teenagers, but I mean like, okay, if you're thinking of like 
20 and 30 year olds, oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of them are still cross, like yeah. they have an Instagram and a Facebook. Like Facebook is that one that they can't really let go because they've done so much on it. Like that was their platform. And then Instagram came out and a lot of them shifted to Instagram. But like it's a place where they still connect. They still. And so it's kind of that bridge. It's like it's in between the the older generation. And I say older, not like old, old, but, you know, like more seasoned generation and like more the babies, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's that in between. And if you think about, OK, so over the next decade, where's the buying power going to be? I think I think Facebook is kind of in that group. No, no, I it's, it's possible. I just I haven't I haven't seen it. Anecdotally, I haven't seen it. And I haven't seen them make great strides on the marketplace because now the marketplace and and hopefully we'll end it because we can go on and on about the marketplace. It's it's interesting because you go on there and people are trying to get eBay prices for less work, right? So I'll go on there and I'm trying to find this, this, and this. I'm like, well, you're charging eBay prices, but you have terrible pictures, you have terrible customer service, you want all this, so. I think what's going to change is if sellers on Facebook Marketplace take it more seriously, I think that will determine things. Because you you go on eBay and we'll talk about this a little bit. Oh, actually, we're talking about it right now. Like eBay has it's more than a handful of terrible sellers, like all over the place. Uh, and, you know, I think right now sourcing has made that very obvious to me. Because how many times have I bought something and it's a week and they still haven't shipped it out? Like who does that? And these aren't like, you know, you know, John, who's, you know, cleaning out his house. It's somebody who has like 2000 feedback. So obviously they're a seller and, and, and it, and you look at the feedback and it's seller feedback. I'm like, how did you get away with this for so long? Like, I don't, like, I feel guilty if I don't ship same day mm. right now, I get it. Everybody's different. I know we, a lot of our listeners do to one to three days because you have different life circumstances. Right. But like for me, I'm same day. You order before one o'clock for me, you're getting it shipped out before four o'clock that day. Right. And that's just to keep the momentum, keep, keep the stuff flowing. Now, going back to the platform. So source the platform based on what you're looking for. I think that was an excellent point you made because for me, I, I like, I, I just stopped my car. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. Like somebody had, I DM somebody and they're telling me how they bought a pair of Nike shoes for 20 bucks. And it literally, it took them like over a week to finally ship out. Right. Or I I've had other people DM me going, Orlando, I've been sourcing on Poshmark. Like this is very frustrating that things only shipped out the next day. Right. So if you have money that you, you don't mind having tied up, I would say source the other platforms. If you have money that you need to move quick, then eBay, you know, make sure they're top rated make sure that they have expedited shipping, all those things. They'll help you out. Now, the other thing I've noticed, is that people are more willing to make deals on eBay than they have before. So I've approached, and I talked about this in another podcast, I've approached several people and I said, Hey, listen, I saw these other listings that you want to combine all these agree on a price and ship it out. And they're like, sure. Yeah. I want to move all this stuff. Right. So it's definitely, it's definitely different. No. Now Good. the other part of the platform that I think is changing is a lot more people are going to eBay now than they've ever gone. I would say, and I, I can't wait for eBay to show numbers, but I really think, think more people are going to eBay now and uh, somebody we're interviewing in, in a couple of weeks is going to validate that even more because people are looking for things and Amazon is still delaying their time. And for the first time, people are coming to eBay in a long time and buying stuff on eBay. And hopefully this is a continuing tread and tread trend. So that's right. good. Uh, you got some random stories. Um, yes, they're, um, they're, they're follow-ups on things I've talked about in the past okay. in the podcast, not necessarily like, 
specifically reselling related. Um, but so two things I've talked about on the podcast. So I had a big, huge score uh, several months ago where I picked up all of that weightlifting stuff, right? I picked oh, yeah, up the yeah. squat rack. I picked up all of this free weights. And right now with the, with the market of how they're selling, I was like, man, I could literally probably sell this entire set, all the stuff that I have for... Uh, you know, probably close to $1,500 or more, uh-huh. right? Maybe, maybe 2000 Even now. Bucks. Yeah. Like, like, like the amount of weight that I was able to pick up for $150 is unbelievable. But um, I've also, you know, like having my gym clothes, working out is something I'm really big into. I really enjoy it. And not being able to do it the last couple of months is just, it's, it's had a, a drain on me physically and emotionally, um, you know, mentally, like it hasn't felt the same. So, uh, I, I finally got my gym set up. I'll have to post some pictures. It was a fun project. Um, and I've started using it and it's, it's really cool to, uh, you know, have the opportunity to take reselling and being able to source and then sometimes just use the stuff yourself. You know what I mean? Like I was able to pick up like essentially three, uh, ol- full Olympic weight sets of weights and a squat rack and a bench and a, a, a deadlift bar and like all of these things for less than like even one of those things, right? So the ability that I was able to do that for for so inexpensive, um, and it only happened because I was grinding garage sales, you know, like, yeah. and I used some of the negotiation tactics that we had learned. So Never split the difference. Yeah, and so it, it's just really cool to, um, just to see how reselling has opened up that door. Uh, and then also the fact that you mentioned the Nextdoor app, and I kind of got interested in looking through the Nextdoor app and, and found somebody selling owl boxes, and they were like $300 <laughs> an owl box, right? Yeah. Um, I was able to build a incredible owl box and I've never done anything like this before. I just looked up some, some videos and some stuff and I have some tools and I went to Home Depot, I bought the stuff and I built my own owl box for about $75 and it's probably superior to the ones you can get for 300 plus. You're going to flip um, them? You know, I was thinking about that, but it's a lot of work. I mean, it, it, it took like a whole day of like working on it to like make it the way I liked it um, to get it like so really, really worth nice. the $300 is commensurate to the amount of time you spend to make it. Yeah. I mean, I probably could like, okay, like if I was, if I could guarantee make 200 bucks every time I made one, if I can get that time down to like half a day, if I could, you know, again, diminishing return, there's also the opposite, right? Like if I were to be more efficient, I could probably pump out four of them the same time if I had the system in place. Right. But then it's like, do I really want these owl boxes sitting around hoping that people are going to buy them? And like a lot of people want them installed and I'm afraid of heights, so I'm not going to install them. Um, but you know, again, it's one of those things where it's, it's a business opportunity. If I decided I wanted to go down that route, right? Like, Hey, here's a market, somebody in my area, right? Like not my immediate area, but somebody in in this area of San Diego already has the corner on this market and has no competition, right? What if I can make better boxes cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so just going through something like next door app, you might be able to find a niche and not saying you have to, you know, basically steal somebody else's business. But if you can find a way to improve it, I mean, that's what business is, right? Like you, you, what is the need? Can I make this cheaper? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so I'm not necessarily coming in saying like, Hey, this person found something and like, it's like, unless it's a copyrighted thing, like they're, they have no control over it. And if you can make it cheaper, if you can make it better, if you can like whatever the, 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 that that's the beauty of, of our system. And so if you're kind of in a place right now where you're like, man, I don't, I just, I want to make more money reselling's great, but I just want another stream of income or I want to find another item to resell. You never know, like spend some time looking through things like Facebook marketplace, next door app, like those types of things and say, what are other people selling? Right? Hey, there's some people that seem to be doing really well selling candles, right? Can I make candles cheaper? Like what, what? And then you just do the research and then you might find out like, man, 
it's an expensive setup, but now I know some like items, some candle making items. The next time I'm at a thrift store and it's like, oh yeah, that's a candle burner thing. And I could flip. So you're still learning. So like, no matter what, you can either get a business idea or you can find ways to like, okay, well, how can I maybe supply those people with things? What are they looking for? So there's a lot of different ways that you can, you know, get those ideas. A lot of times, um, it, it, it's worth spending the time, spending a couple of weeks looking and researching ideas, but the ideas are out there. And once you get that one, you find that niche, uh, there, there's so much profit to be made. You just got to be willing to not just sit there and say, I can't think of anything. Well, look and see what other people are doing. And can you do it better, cheaper, faster? You know, there's, there's business ideas out there. Uh, you just got to go look for them. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, You need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, So first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Yeah, you could be like Amazon. You could be a fulfillment center for owl boxes, reverse engineer it. Steal that idea, make a ton of money, and then gate people from your fulfillment center. Yeah. And then there you go. That, that, who, that's where Amazon thought. And then I'm, get, I got to have all that you're data. Not to, you're not allowed to talk bad about Amazon anymore unless well, you, you stop using Are you scared of Amazon? Them. No. Are you, are you? Come on now. I'm just saying like, like you profit so much off of Amazon, but you complain about them. Like if they were that bad, you wouldn't use them. But no, you use them because... It's yeah, an amazing they're opportunity. They're my taskmaster. That's fine. Like I, I work for I work for Bezos. That's fine. I'm all right with that. I just it's it's just it's just funny because I I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like I, I yes do I bash on Amazon? I do because ultimately like Amazon like even right now their PR campaign is is phenomenal. They're doing a great PR campaign. Like hey, we're coming through for everyone. This is what we're doing at our warehouses. But those of us that have been selling on Amazon, we know how Amazon functions. Like ultimately, like shutting down our store and causing us a crisis. Eh. 
Like it's it's a secondary secondary, not even a secondary thought. It's like not even on their mind. So, anyways, all right. Now <laughs> there's something. Oh, I was gonna say. Okay, so I got an idea for you, and you, you you obviously I don't think you'll go for it. But so right now the weights are at the height of the market, and I think you know just like the curve, I think we're at the peak of weight selling. Like I I really believe as the country opens up those costs are going to go down. So is it possible that now you could sell that for a grip and then just wait a couple of weeks and then buy the same stuff for a lot cheaper and pocket a lot of that cash? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I could probably do that, but where I'm at right now, like honestly, okay. Even if it's like, okay, I can make a thousand dollars profit. I can make $1,500 profit, whatever. Um, the amount of work it would take, the amount of work I've already put into this gym, like there's no way I would do it. It's not even worth me taking that stuff. I had to like hike it up this hill and flatten out this area. And I carried up literally like almost more than a thousand pounds worth of weights up this hill. I'm not, I'm not doing that again. But even if I were like, okay, like if they were all easily accessible, somebody could pull up with a truck and pick it all up. You know, like one of the things that I've been really big on is being productive and being the best you can be in different categories. And I know myself and I've gone six weeks already of no gym and just eating terribly. And it's, it's been so bad on my, not just my physique, but it's been so bad, like mentally and emotionally of just feeling, not feeling good about myself, not feeling confident, not like all the things that when I'm weightlifting, I'm eating better. When I'm eating better, I'm sleeping better. When I'm sleeping better, I have weight. So I don't know. Like, I think there's gotta be things in your life like that too, where it's like, you know what, there, maybe there's profit here, but at the same time, like, I'm willing to, yeah, I could take the money that I could use for my vacation. I could buy more capital or I could take the vacation and, and make family memories, right? Like it's one of those things for me where it's like, to me, the, the gain that I'm getting from just being able to go and work out again, I don't want to wait another couple of months for the weight mark, weight lifting market to drop back down. You know what I mean? So, and it might I not, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I've even bought stocks in certain companies that make at home stuff and those stocks that keep climbing. And I, but when am I going to sell? I don't know. Maybe I should sell now. I have no idea, but it's one of those things you, you got to think you're right. I mean, there's certain vintage pieces that like I wear that I don't wear on the podcast, but I wear and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I, I could get a lot of money for this, but no, nah, I don't want to sell this. Yeah. I, I get well, it. Olana's got this cool top hat and cane that he walks around yeah, with that's what, and yes. bow tie. And yeah, the mono- cool. I'm the monopoly man <laughs> off the podcast. So all right. Hey, uh, okay. what about you? You got any random stories? Well, it's not random. It's just, it's man, the post office is like all over the place right now. Right. And I'm not mad about it. I'm just kind of like, it's, it's interesting to me because it's, is it our sales like more than Q4 right now? Like, is it that crazy? Like, I, I don't know. Cause I'm finding now, is it, and those of you that work for the post office, I know some of our listeners, uh, you know, listen and, and are probably some of the best sellers out there and, you know, they'll share stuff with us, but I'm like, I'm, I look at my, uh, eBay and I track my packages and it's like arriving late, arriving late, arriving late, arriving late. Now it's great because eBay has, you know, done a great job of saying, Hey, we're not going to ding you if you have a late payment. I'm not late payment. <laughs> they should ding you here. By the way. Yeah. Talking about that late payment. Okay. So, you know, when people don't buy stuff like they buy it but they don't pay for it how is that possible have you bought stuff on ebay before yeah it literally takes like not even a full second to hit you have all your buying info on there and you just hit pay yeah i mean there's a lot of times like i mean now it's nice because i've got paypal in there i can just do that or we got certain credit cards saved to my phone 
But there have been many times in my life where it's like I put something in my cart on a website and then I go to check out and it's like, oh man, I don't have my wallet or oh, I need to, you know, and then like you forget about it and then, you know, so it's yeah, definitely I'm just, possible. I'm just looking at it because I'm buying the, and I'm like instant the auction's over, like I'm paying. So I'm, I'm going like, okay, if these people aren't paying right away, I don't want them to pay. Like I've changed my perspective. Like I'm okay with unpaid buyers because that means that they really didn't want it. And we've said this before. Is it possible that unpaid buyers are later on going to be returns? Yeah, I mean, they definitely could be. I mean, especially because a lot of times they're treating you like like a um, like a layaway. You know, like yeah. I'm buying it now and I'll pay it's it so on Friday easy. when I get paid. I don't know. Because, you know, I have a whole new perspective now as a buyer because I've heard things before that like, you know, it's hard to buy stuff on eBay. It's hard. To, no, no, it's not. It is so easy. Like, Unless, you know, you're still using like flip phones and stuff like that. Like, yeah, it's it's so streamlined. Like, I don't I don't even know how it's possible that people are like, oh, I couldn't get my account connect. I'm like, hey, I don't understand. Am I being snobbish? No, I mean, I, I you're just, probably right. I mean, the only time I could also think is like if, if somebody's doing an auction because you're talking about purchasing on auctions. And of course, you're not selling things on auction, so it's different. But. Um, a lot of times I could see that with auctions, maybe somebody puts in a bid, they put a highest bid of $50 in, this thing ends in three days and six hours and 22 minutes, right? And then they turn their phone off uh, and then they're going about their day. And some people like, it's amazing. Like I live on my email and I've got like six different emails that I need to use for various work purposes. Um, and so I'm always checking my email, but there are a lot of people that I know that just, they never, oh, you send it to an email? Sorry, like I don't check emails. Yeah, that's like, me. They, it's only text. So, um, they get an email from eBay, like, hey, you're right, you won the auction, right? And if they don't think about it, they might have forgot, like, oh yeah, that auction ended two days ago. No, that's true. That is very true. That is very true. I mean, I, you know, and then I get and I've talked about this before, but man, I've had some people that like over a week just not shipped. And then I'll get a message, they're like, Oh, the post office, you know, and they'll say, because of COVID-19. I'm like, all right, whatever, it's all good. I get it. And then they still don't ship it. And I'm like, what? What is like what is what is going on? Like, I don't. I, I don't understand it. But again, it's encouraged me to know that like, hey, that's an unfair, well, it shouldn't be an unfair advantage, but it is an advantage, right? To you, to not be slack on shipping things. Like you can gain that advantage on other sellers. Uh, and uh, I, th I thought it was good. And I also, this is a random story, um, kind of related, but not, but it was a game changer for me. So um, there was this huge controversy that happened between Grant Cardone and Jordan Belfort, Wolf of Wall Street, and we know who Grant Cardone mm. is a real estate guy. And they were arguing about sales. And I caught this in a video and I thought I'd share. And Jordan Belfort was saying, if somebody says they're not interested, that means that they're not interested, like you're not going to get that sale. Grant Cardone made the argument that if they're saying they're not interested, that there is interest because they wouldn't say not interested. And I'm like, huh? And I was like, that's crazy, right? But then I started thinking about it. So how many how many times have you wasted with somebody? Like you send an offer and they're like, oh, I don't want it. But then you're like, well, I can drop it. And then you convert to a sale. Yeah, I don't right? know. Or how many times do we get DM'd on Instagram by somebody, you know, like these, you know, scammers that are like da 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 da. And we, you know, I nicely reply like, oh, not interested. And then they keep contacting me. Like, imagine the hours of my life I would have saved if I just never contacted that person or that I never replied. Right. So to me, the life lesson is if you're not really interested in something, just don't say you're not interested. Just don't do anything. Yeah. Especially especially if it's a, a telemarketer calling you. 
Uh, don't say not interested. But, sorry, okay, and then hang up. Just just right, sit there okay. on the phone and don't say anything. I mean, I'm just joking, but like that's the time when I would say not interested, right? Like, sorry, I'm not interested. Thank you. Hang up. Like that means I'm not interested. But think of the time you wasted saying not interested. What about you? Just they say something, you're like, click. That's it. That's it. And you do that over and over and over. Because I still I get people that call me all the time, and I try to be nice on the phone. Like I'm not interested, and then they'll call me again. I'm like, maybe if I just completely ignored them, but, it'd be over. Okay, but the truth, though, I mean, I guess what I would say with that debate that they had is, I think it's right that if somebody says they're not interested, they're not interested, and it's the false sales push of, if they say not interested, keep going at them. Like, that's just craziness talking, right? Like, that's why you keep I don't, What do involved. you guys think? What do you guys think? I, I'm interested because that, see, I've experienced it personally myself when, you know, when I was a, I was a administrator of school and I was trying to get people to go to the school is that the people that said they weren't interested. I, I like, I started retracing all my steps over the last years. I'm like, all right, how did this work? And the people that said they weren't interested in coming because it was at a private school that said they weren't interested. I was still able to have a line of communication. I said, I would be able to go, Hey, I know you're not interested, but you know what? If you ever change your mind, here's something that, and then sometimes it would convert people that completely like would even like, have a spend any time with me i never had an opportunity with those people again right so i just started retracing i, I started retracing with like a garage sales i'll go to garage sale i'll go to somebody and i'll say hey are you willing to sell this blah 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 and they just completely ignore me like i'm not going to talk to them anymore but if they go yeah i'm not interested in selling them then i would go well hey if you ever change your mind here's my card and how many times have i converted on that so, so what are what are we advocating for here? Like what's what's what is your what's the principle to take from this? I think I believe not interested is more interest than ignorant and then ignorance and ignoring you. Yeah, I mean there's there's levels of like denial and then just being rude, right? Like you're right. Well, like yeah, if you yeah. go if you ask somebody like, "Hey, do you have anything else you could say sell? Uh, do you have any do you have any uh, Nintendo's in the house?" and they look at you and roll their eyes and walk away as opposed to, "No, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in selling it." So yeah, like they might legitimately not be interested and then there's just being plain rude. So, you know. Yeah, but we're nice guys. You don't have to be. It's not rude. Like, okay, let's play that scenario at Garage Sale. Hey, do you have any video games? Blah, blah, blah. Rolls her eyes, walks away. That's done, right? You're not going to talk to that person anymore. But if the person goes, yeah, no. Yeah, we're really not looking to sell. That's still an open door for you to go like, Hey, I get it. You're emotionally, you know, this is a big emotional thing. Like you grew up with these things. Hey, if you ever change your mind, you ever want to move stuff, here's my card. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, that's, th that's all I'm saying, right? So it works both ways. One, if you want to get rid of, you know, people wasting your time, just don't tell them you're not interested. Just ignore them. <laughs> and if there's ever somebody that tells you they're not interested, maybe it's an opportunity to, you know, spark a little bit of interest. All right. So the takeaway is if you're not interested in something, be as rude as you can to them. No, rude. And, See, you and, are pretty rude. I'm not saying being rude. I'm just, <laughs> it's a lesson I am learning. And if somebody says they're not interested, then you keep hounding them. I like it. Okay. Those no, are not two. keep hounding. Politely continue the conversation. Gotcha. Anyway, I, I'm interested in the comments. No, I, I think there's, I think there's some truth there. No. I, I, I never thought of that. I never, never thought of that. And I, and I, it's very clear to me on the DMs. When we get scammers all the time and I politely go, not interested. If I just delete, I will never hear from them again. But if I go not interested, I got people right now that will continue to DM us about stuff. And I'm like, 
why did I even engage? Like, I never really seriously cared about this. So. Good. I like that. <laughs> that. It is recently related. It is recently related. All right. Are we ready? For next, before we go to the next segment, though, let's talk about our social real quick. Hey, we're dropping information all the time on Instagram. Some of the stuff that we're going to share today, we actually have vi- visual like pictures that we dropped on Instagram that might help you. We have advice in our stories. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. We are PureSo Podcast. On Twitter, we are PureSo Cast. You can always yeah. give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. You can email us. And we've been getting some awesome emails about people making it through these economic times. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, and maybe we'll have like a reflection podcast where we just talk about that sometime, you know, yeah. because I, I really believe like if there's ever a time right now that you, so this can help you, you know, not just level up, but make ends meet like recently right now it's happening. So you can email us at purespodcast at gmail.com. Did I already give the phone number? Yes. Okay. It's just so robotic. I just use it. And uh, as always, if you're listening to us on the podcast and you want to, you know, check out Mike's freshly shaven head. Uh, and this nicely trimmed beard and then Orlando's mess, uh, you can jump onto YouTube and hit that subscribe and thumb up this uh, podcast. And as always, thank you all for the reviews. We're getting some like really thought out. Like, I I feel like people like actually like took the time to think about the best way to compliment us on podcast. So thank you so much. So if you could continue writing the reviews, they're really helpful to us. Yeah. We're trying to, we're trying to, um, have i mean we've been saying this for months on on itunes like we want more reviews but like our big goal is to surpass pewdiepie and uh <laughs> and uh what's the what's the other what's the the company that he was in the the war with i don't know man yeah we're trying to surpass a, a pewdiepie on youtube so if you'd subscribe um and and help us get past pewdiepie that would be awesome so uh with all that being said <laughs> I will say this podcast. I feel like we've been all over the place. It's time for the news time for the or news. reseller topics. I mean, no, you called it the news. It's what it is. It is reseller. bringing you the fresh news, packaging fresh? it, grocery fresh, sit, sending it right to your door. Orlando, kick it off. All right, delivering this like prime, but a lot sooner. All right, eBay, eBay listings. Hey. If you haven't caught this, I mean, I didn't even post this on Instagram because I'm sure everybody knows, but man, eBay has now extended their promotion of 50,000 free fixed listings a month all the way through July. So there was a lot of naysayers who were like, hey, they're going to slam you in May with fees. Well, look at this. Like now they're doing this. And on top of that, I've always made the argument, if you really get a thousand more listings on your eBay and you have more fees to pay you're probably in a better place because that means you're making better sales and you'll probably have no problem paying the fees right on those extra listings. But here's my, th- Oh, and by the way, if you don't have a store, which I think you really should have a store, I think right now, cause these promote, maybe you should have a store and then get out of the store when the promotion ends, you get 200 free fixed price and auction listings. So if you don't have a store, but I think you should have a store. Would, it, would, would now be the time if you got a big store to, to lower it to a smaller subscription? Yeah, you could. You could. I don't see why not. Save save a little bit of money. Yeah. I mean, I like the I like the shipping supply coupon that pretty much pays for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but you already got that shipping supply coupon. So if you lower to a lower store for a couple months and then upgrade again. Yeah, you could. Yeah. It's a good idea. I mean, I, I think trying to save you guys I, some money. I feel like we're missing something, but yeah, I don't know. You, do do the research though. Yeah, do the research. I, I feel like we're missing something. Like 
That's a good idea. Like, should I just go from my premium store to my stand to a standard yeah. store? Yeah, you got the listings right now. I think there's something I'm missing. There's something. Let us know in the comments if there's something we're missing. All right. Now, I really, I'm just thinking this through. So now, eBay's been doing really well, right? From everything I see. I don't know what the Q1 earnings report's going to be. Maybe it won't be that great. Maybe the Q2 one is going to be really great. Their stock is is doing all right, you know? And then and they got a new CEO. And so with all that and all these free listings, what if eBay really does well? And then as a result of all these free listings, they're like, you know what? Either we're done with stores or we're done with insertion fees. Like I could see one of those going away. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, I think I'm, uh, we often get when we talk about this, people who will like comment or say like, hey, like, you know, having the overhead of an actual business and you got to think about your business as a business when you have skin in the game, you take it more seriously and all these things. And I agree 100%. Like, I'm not saying that like the, their model of, of one or the other is bad. I think it's kind of the model of, of both together, right? Like, I think I like the idea of have a store, you can have a store and you you can have maybe X amount of items in your store or unlimited items. You pay a certain amount for your store. You get these features for your store. That's great. Or you pay per listing, right? But like kind of the combined where it's like you, you have a store and then you pay for listings. That's where it's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like it'd be a little bit better if they offered like one or the other. And then like, you know, maybe the tiers of store offer different things, right? Like, all right, like I'm, I get a higher store. So maybe, and again, these, I'm just spitfiring here. I haven't like, this isn't like well thought out. Like here's my, my presentation to eBay of what I think they should do. But like, you know, they could do a lot of things like, okay, you, you buy the higher end store, like maybe it's unlimited listings or you get 2000 listings for this store size, or you can pay a little bit more. And then with that, you get like a certain number of promoted items and you don't have to pay the fees on it, but you get like, mm. you know, hundred promoted items a month, or you can pay for high, like they can offer extra things that like come with bigger store subscriptions. So if you're a bigger seller, if it works for your, the style of selling you do, but it's like the both where it's like, Oh, you got a store and I'm paying for the, the insertion fees. It's like, yeah, I think we're both agreed on that one. I, I think that to me is, is not a win, but I, I could, I don't know. I, I could see it. Like, let's say eBay sees huge growth because now all these people jumped on the platform they got stores, they have the 50,000 listings. And then those, you know, like me, I'm listening like crazy. I love that when I get my invoice and I pay my invoice, I, I used to do it every day. Now I do it uh, twice a week just because I'm, I'm using my credit card. I'm trying to get points and I'm paying it off and, da, 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 and all that. I really love not having these exorbitant amount of fees and it, and it motivates me to want to list more. Like, I, I feel like I'm not now I'm not losing money anyways. Right. I mean, you know, that's the thing people all the time are like, Oh, Phoebe, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Phoebe for what? Like Phoebe. So you can reach millions of people throughout the world. Like we have it good. And actually we pay less in fees than Poshmark. Right. So if you take a look at it and we have more buyers, like we, you get more bang for your buck selling on eBay than on all other platforms, right? But, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. So eBay, if you're listening, I, I wish we got the last name of the new CEO right because then we could say, hey, mister. Oh, and, and then again, like the, the other thing to consider with oh, that okay. is it's not just the insertion fees and the store, yeah. but it's the final value fee too, right? Like it, it's a combination of the three. Like take, get rid of one of those things. Like they're making the money when the item sells. So don't make it when we list it, right? Like that's where it's like, oh, 
do one or the other. Like we pay when we list it or we pay when we sell it. And again, I'm not saying like get do away with stores completely or do away with listings completely or final value fee, but like you're paying on the front end and the back end and sometimes in the middle, you know? So that's where it's like, I think they could do better with that. And yeah, you're, you're right. Like they might discover that this has been motivating enough to let more people sell like people. Cause again, it's that in between, like it's not like a, a cut and dry. Cause a lot of people ask us, like we get this question all the time. Should I, when do I upgrade to a higher store? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always that like, well, like actually you could do the math and figure out that like you upgrade to a higher store, depending on the, the average sale price of your items or the cost of listings, because it's not like if you've got one to 200 items, this is how much the store costs. And if you have 201 items to four, 500 items, this is how much the store costs. Like there's like, an in-between and then again if you've got a high sell-through rate like you might have to have a higher store even if you keep your store at 100 items but you're listing so frequently you know so that's where it might be like you can have 100 items listed at a time no matter your sell-through rate you sell it you add another one you don't pay for it in this store window or if you want more items listed then you go up to this one so there's a lot of different ways they can change this the the model and i think you're right that by offering these free listings people who have a faster sell-through rate don't necessarily need a higher-end store. And if they've got a really fast sell-through rate, eBay's making a ton of money on the final value sales, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I just see it as a win-win throughout. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There's some more movement happening on eBay. The new CEO and then the guy, Scott, uh, he's messed up his name, Schnenkel, I think. I don't know. But who has been on, in eBay for a while and, and eBay, I think he's he's rolling out. So, I don't know. We'll We'll, we'll see what happens. So, all right, let's so get your stuff listed. It is selling. It is selling for the most part. So, all right, I wanted to talk about Amazon and a lawsuit because I think it's important. All right. So remember when we had uh, we had uh, why can't I remember her name right now? I feel terrible. Remember when we were interviewing about ecom insurance. Yep. Yep. Right. And in our interview, we had talked about how Amazon, right? Amazon, right now with. The whole, you know, if, if you get sued for an item, like it's not Amazon. No, Ashlyn. Ashlyn Haddon. That's what it was. Mm. Right. So when we were talking with Ashlyn, like Amazon takes no no responsibility. Right. But there's been these cases where people are now saying, no, Amazon should take responsibility because it's on Amazon's site. You sign that user policy like Amazon is taking a cut of the profit. Amazon is shipping the item. Amazon should have some responsibility for items that are being sold on their platform. It's not like eBay where if somebody buys stuff from me, I'm directly shipping it to them. There were, you know, eBay just brokers the website where Amazon, especially if you do FBA, there's a lot of other steps behind it, right? So just something to think about because we were talking about insurance where, you know, as of right now, the way it's been is it, that still third-party sellers, you know, are, are can be technically responsible, but there's this case where this this poor high school kid uh, took some kind of it was some caffeine that was given to him from somebody else. It was a pre workout boost. Uh, he was a wrestler, and so the, I'll read it real quick. The Ohio Supreme Court plans Wednesday to hear arguments for and against lawsuit brought by the Steiner family, arguing that the online retail giant, as a company that shipped the product, so notice shipping right and taking the fees and all that. The company that shipped the product should be held responsible under Ohio product liability law. A decision isn't expected for several weeks. But then here's Amazon's attorney and their response to all this. They said, I guess this must have been, I guess this was merchant fulfilled as it looks like here. Lawyers for Amazon say the company doesn't meet the definition of a supplier under Ohio law, ownership, control, and hands-on action of the product. They note that Steiner's friend has testified she chose to click on the product 
she then bought. And this is the Amazon attorney now. Amazon never touched the product and third parties provided all the website content and delivered the product directly to the purchaser. Uh, an attorney for Amazon said. So what it, what it looks like to me is that basically, you know, Amazon, and this is something you should think about if you're selling on Amazon, that Amazon very much doesn't want, obviously they wouldn't, but they don't want to take responsibility, right? And there was that case with that lady with the leash. Remember the leash that snapped back on the lady's face and she became blind. And then there's still a ruling that's being hashed out. Like is Amazon at fault because they're in their platform, da, da, da. So here, oh, here it is. Let me read it. The third, the third U.S. Supreme Circuit Court of Appeals in Philadelphia is reviewing a lawsuit against Amazon brought by a Pennsylvania woman who was blinded in one eye after a retractable dog leash she bought snapped and hit her. In that case, a three-judge panel ruled last year that Amazon could be sued over a defective product sold by one of the third-party vendors. That ruling was then vacated when the full court agreed to hear the case. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, so why do I bring this? I, I, I bring this is I'm more and more, and I've been saying this, like on eBay, I'm not as worried. I think there's an understanding. Like if you're selling, you know, if I find something at a garage sale and it's, it's used. I think there's less culpability. But on Amazon, when you're selling a new item and Amazon is very clear saying we will not at all take any responsibility for this, I think it's even more of a case to be made that somehow you should make sure, you know, that you're covered. Right. Insurance. I don't know. I'm not trying to sell insurance. I'm just it just worries me. Because Amazon very clear does not want to take any responsibility. Well, I don't think they should in this situation. Um, I mean, they sold FBA. Uh it's the same thing as selling it on 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 uh, eBay at that point. Right? But if you buy something from Walmart, right? Walmart is responsible, right? If I go inside a Walmart store and I purchase something and it causes something, Walmart could be you buy you buy an Xbox at Walmart. The Xbox is is faulty and catches on fire. You sue Walmart or you sue no Xbox? Microsoft. Initially, uh, Microsoft is the primary party that gets sued, but Walmart may play a part in it. I don't know. I just. I don't. I just bring this up because <laughs> I I I've, I don't I don't see any cases of like eBay like adamantly fighting and saying no we will take zero and and they probably would say we take zero responsibility but I see Amazon very clear Amazon's always very big on like hey you know and as a reseller you don't want them to because the moment they say fine like we are now responsible for the items people are sending in and for the things people are selling FBA the the reselling market on Amazon is going to tank drastically as they tighten up everything. I mean, we can, but they already do that though. Like they get, they'll tell people all the time you can sell this item and then they gate people. Right. And so, so you'd rather them just be strict from the beginning and say nothing. They're not going to say nothing. Amazon wants to make money, but Amazon plays within the lines, right? Every single time. And, and see, here's the thing. Like, I, I feel like as a lot of resellers and I get it, like I understand the frustration, but like as resellers, you get frustrated because they play in between the lines, but it's almost like they're trying to like wink, nod, help you out and then say like, but look, if things go bad, we're not taking responsibility for this. So if you're going to- That is 100% Amazon. Amazon right now is, there's okay. a class action lawsuit for price gouging. So Amazon went after all these sellers, suspended their accounts, ruined their businesses, you know, basically, you know, I would say destroyed businesses overnight and the whole time Amazon was price gouging. There are Keepa charts galore everywhere of them price gouging. And Amazon's trying to implement implement uh, Amazon fair price policy, but yet Amazon doesn't play by their own rules. Okay, I get 
that but that's that's a you're it's conflating a, you're conflating two different it's issues. Amazon though. being Amazon though. Yeah, okay, but now you're now you're conflating two different issues. Now you're basically saying like Amazon does these other bad things over here, therefore this thing over like but if we're just gonna focus on look, do I wanna be able to go to a store, buy video games from Target, send them into Amazon, and technically I don't have a wholesale license to buy them from the manufacturer and I'm buying 10,000 of this, you know, NBA, whatever game at a time. Mm-hmm. I'm just going in and buying five of them from the store and I'm sending it. And a lot of people make money doing those things. But then it's like, hey, Amazon is letting me do this. I'm making a ton of profit, but they might drop the hammer at me at some point. Well, what you're basically saying is they're kind of letting you do this thing, but they might stop you. And if they stop you, you're going to say, how dare they? Well, otherwise they could just say, sorry, we're just, unless you can provide this wholesale license from the get go, we're just going to say no to everything hundred percent off the board. Like all the resellers who, are, who get upset about that. I feel like what you're saying is they're helping me out. And then the moment that help stops, I'm going to be upset with them. And it's like, well, they could just not help you out at all. Yeah, but but that, but Amazon plays that game all the time. With think about the FBA non-essential thing, right? Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, right? They just it was like a ten o'clock in the evening email, like, hey, no more non-essentials. That's it. Businesses destroyed overnight. And the beautiful thing is, if if you're that against them as a company that they have the power to do those things, then stop selling on the company. Well, yeah, and that's why I've been doing primarily eBay for three months. Okay, I'll well, still sell on Amazon. I'll still play the game. But to me, it's again, I, I, I also put this out there as a warning. Like so many people are like, Hey, I want to do FBA. Hey, I want to do merchant field, but understand like Amazon and, and eBay too. But I feel that eBay really reaches out to their sellers. I think because the sellers are the customers on eBay, whereas on Amazon, they're not. It's a difference. They're two different things. We've had the conversation. Like you can't. No, it's reselling is reselling. You're, you're selling product. It, 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 We've had the conversation before, but like it's two completely different things. Like one of them is a swap, a swap meet, right? The other one is Walmart or Costco. You're getting your item on the shelf in Costco and Walmart is very different than selling your item at a swap meet, right? I disagree. I disagree. So that's old school mentality of eBay, that eBay is a swap meet. And it's not. It is. It is. It is because they're not. Okay. No, 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 no. You don't buy stuff. You don't buy stuff for one or two or three dollars. You buy, if you sell the right stuff, you sell, people sell high-end stuff all the time. And that's one of the th- reasons that eBay, right, has kind of struggled with that reputation because that's the reputation they have, even though that's not true at all. But it is, it's not, it doesn't run like a flea market or a swami. It does if you listen to what I'm saying, though. What I'm saying is when you buy something from eBay, you are, they're only acting as a broker. Like you're basically, they, you have a stall there. They're giving you the eyes. People come and they buy the thing from 100%. you. 100%. That's why it makes sense that eBay has no culpability. But when Amazon so if you stores an item, but when Amazon ships an item, FBA. when Amazon takes all kinds of fees, FBA, hundred percent. But even even this was an FBA case. So make make explain to me why that FBA case is different than an eBay sale. Because FBA warehouse. I mean, not shipping. not FBA. That was fulfillment by merchant. Sorry, that was a fulfillment by merchant. Merchant fulfilled. No, I okay. I see that. I do see that, but it's, so there are two different cases, right? Because the other case with the leash, that was an FBA. This, this one, it's not even clear whether it's FBA or not. I'm so, but here's the thing though. All I'm saying is if Amazon, like you're basically in, in one side saying, I want Amazon to take responsibility for the items on their site. If they were to do that, it's going to cut into your profits if you're a seller on Amazon. So you can't have both things. Like 
either one, Amazon says, fine, if we are now responsible for everything that gets sold on our site, anything that gets sent in, we want more proof from people. We're going to take a higher percentage of stuff. We're going to, and so sell, that is going to crush like 80% of the resellers that are like us that send stuff into Amazon. So it's like, okay, we want them to be responsible. They can't just be, you know, basically shirk responsibility. Fine. They take responsibility. No, I, That's going to have. Again, my argument is that my argument is just be careful. Like, understand, this is another sign of Amazon going, we're not going to take responsibility. We're not going to take responsibility for the fact that you, in good faith, shipped a bunch of stuff in, and then we cost you thousands of dollars because we gated you. You, in good faith, believed in the free market, and we don't believe in the free market. We believe more in our PR, and so we're going to destroy your account and suspend you. That's the problem I have, at least with, at least with the other platforms they're up front with it and and they'll pull a listing. They're not going to destroy your existence. Okay. So here's basically what you're doing though. When you do that, like realistically, when you do, um, and again, I'm not saying I'm against doing this. Like there's nothing wrong with retail arbitrage. Right. But like technically retail arbitrage is, is in a lot of ways against Amazon policy. Right. It is. I don't know how you don't know how that all the items you're sending in when you're sending in the thing, you're saying that you have receipts from manufacturer that you have these items, not from, not from Amazon or not from Target. Yeah, that's fine. You can use receipts all the time. Not from Target. Those don't. Yeah, work. you can. Yeah, they do. People do it all the time. People get claims like, "Oh, this these Nike shoes aren't authentic," and then people have sent in receipts. Okay, but what I'm saying though is like, we we say like, okay, like in a in a field, like let's say it's video games. All of a sudden, I, I send in video games. Now I'm gated. Technically, when you were sending in video games, you Amazon was kind of basically letting you bend the rules in order to make money on their platform. And then if they drop the hammer, which yeah, that sucks. <laughs> they're basically bending the rules. No, they just break the rules. They, oh, they're letting you break the rules. And when they say no more, you get upset. Of Well, of course. I mean, it's like anything. It's like anything in life when somebody says, oh, it's all good. And then you drop the hammer like that. That's human nature. Right. So this is why I've been bucking against Amazon and I've been going eBay because I really, you know, and the other thing is I, I'm, and I'm not going to go into this. This is for if we ever want to rent, but you have no control over your inventory. You don't, you really have, once you do FBA, all control is given to Amazon. All control. Even the prices now have not been turned over to Amazon. At least with eBay, I can list something. Very rare that eBay is going to go like, oh, your price is item, items listed too high. Or, oh, hey, we decided to delete your listing. Or, or, hey, we're going to return stuff and we're going to trash it when we return it. But we expect it to be in mint condition when we send it in. It's, so, it's, a, it's a different beast, though. They're two different. They're, they're Amazon and eBay, they're, they're two different models of selling. And so you can't compare the two together. Right, what are you guys' thoughts? Just want to know. So Mike and I just having a friendly conversation. All right, let's move on from this. Hey, uh, <laughs> to more exciting news. I really, you know, I, I'm concerned a little bit. I think there's there's kind of a shift in the opinion of resellers. I, I think, and, and I'm seeing it People more. People think that we're more professional <clears throat> and awesome now? No, less. Oh, well, then that's always been the case. But I think it's it's getting worse. Like, not only is there this whole thing about the price gouging, right? Which we, I think we agree that what is price gouging? I think it's a man-made concept. Uh, it's not free market. The other part is, the fact that, you know, number one, that already, man, the media ran with that, right? And and Amazon didn't help with their fair pricing policy. And, and eBay didn't help either. 
But then now I'm seeing articles about like, hey, resellers are using bots to buy this. Like, and you know, we've talked about bots before. Uh, and you know, I know, I know, like in Poshmark, they're against bots. And but you know, the way you get Supreme drops, the way you get Nike shoe drops, the way you get any kind of drop, pretty much is through bots. Like it's very hard. I mean, you could do it manually, but man, it's it's tough. I mean, have you tried manually ever to get those drops? No. Okay, it, it's like it's like super impossible. But now people are using bots to get dumbbells, to get hair clippers, to get everything. So I to me, and I, I dropped this on Instagram, I think we all need to be careful about what we share on social. Like it's one thing if hey, we go to a thrift store, we go to a garage sale, we go, you know, we buy a wholesale lot, whatever, a pallet, but when we're flexing that we're using bots to resell at a time like this, like I, I just, I would be careful. And it's funny cause we, you know, we've talked about like, we're not against groups, right? But what's one of the concerns about having a group? Like if you're in a group, what is the concern you have? You know, price tanking from gout or uh price tanking from bolos getting out. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, well, there's that. And then there's, yeah, well, there's so many, yeah, there's two, right? How many people can keep a secret? Right. And so it's funny while I was reading this article, uh, Vice put in an article about can't find dumbbells or hair clippers to buy online. These resellers are the reason. And this whole like just slamming resellers. And then they had this part that says a source who asked to remain anonymous. So he's not identified by his group told Vice. He joined a monitor group with about 500 members on Discord just last week and has made 22 order of instantly sold out items so far. People are buying up certain hair clippers and they're being resold for a profit. He told Vice via Twitter, da, da, da. The wall color pro cordless is a big one. Bolo is dead now. Darn near impossible to find. Every time Amazon restocks, they sell out within seconds. Weights are another huge thing right now. Amazon basic weights, any weights on Walmart. Have you tried to buy weights lately outside of your Olympic weight set? Um, I actually went to Walmart to get new weightlifting gloves because mine were broken. Uh, yeah. they, they they tore. Uh, and yeah, the, the their whole dumbbell section is empty for sure. Yeah. So just be careful. You know, I, I, again, I'm not against, I'm not against bots. I'm not like, if you can have the unfair advantage and you can be part of a group, but always know like you're going to have this anonymous guy that's going to go out there and, and may possibly destroy a bolo may say something to someone. And then next thing you know, you become a news article. Just, just always be careful. Just be careful. All right. Let's talk about some things that are selling. Let's talk about some good news. What do you, what do you, if you were to say right now, what are some hot things that are selling on e-commerce? What would you say? I mean, you put me on the spot like that. Yeah. I know you've got the whole infographic. Why I know, you show me but, but, but I'm going to hide it from Mike. But you know, what is the, you, you yourself have been selling? Well, I'm assuming uh, hair clippers are a big one. 100%. Uh, we just said that. Okay. Video games. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, dumbbells. Uh, bread makers, right? You're, you just looked at my screen. I didn't look at your screen. We talked no, about that last okay. week. Okay. So this is going to be bolo heavy, by the way. Like, bre have you seen bread makers? Like, they've been selling like crazy. And actually, I was going to source a bunch for a hundred bucks online, brand new, and then flip them for two something. But I was worried because you got to worry about the time gap, right? If you're buying online arbitrage, you don't know what's going to happen between the time that thing gets shipped to you and by the time you're able to list it and by the time it sells, right? And that's one of the issues with online arbitrage on Amazon. Like, you don't know, Amazon might jump on the listing. You may get a flood of sellers. So this is from this company called Stackline. You can go to stackline.com. Actually, if you just Google Stackline top 100 fastest growing and declining e-commerce categories. You'll find that. Actually, let's put the link on the bottom of this YouTube. All right. So 
Number one, disposable gloves. I, I read a lot of elbows. Probably not. Okay. Breadmaker's number two. 652% growth. And I actually was, wasn't it? It was one of our hustles of the week. Mm-hmm. Right. And actually she contacted, they contacted me and said they, uh, what was it? They listed one, another one and it sold within 12 hours that fast weight training. Number eight. You know what? I didn't find on here. Video games or board games. Maybe they're the next hundred ping pong 90. Do you have some ping pong stuff? You haven't listened? No. Ping pong gets old fast, isn't it? I, I don't know. I've never really played. I mean, I played like once or twice, like at a friend's house. All right, there's craft kits and projects, right? So have you sold some sewing kits? Yeah, a couple. Yeah, I, sewing kits have sold. So we're talking about sewing kits. We're talking about uh, cross stitch. We're talking about, why can't I remember the other ones? Cross stitch, Busilla. So we're going to be below heavy. Uh, and then there's all this like kind of, this is why people have been killing on Amazon. Right from facial tissues to allergy medicines, soap and body wash, jerky and dried meats, yoga equipment, uh, c- cookies. D- have you sold food before? Food is selling too. Yeah, no, I haven't sold food. And eBay, sauce and gravy. Anyways, I want to provide this list because hey, the reason is you got to adapt. Right now. Now the hard part is this is fastest growing categories. So you got to yeah. be careful because you can make statistics say anything. So a growing category doesn't <laughs> so mean it's true. the top, right? Yeah. Like, so if, if, if one item used to sell every month and now two items sell a month, that's a hundred percent growth, right? So, okay. I, I so you, you got to look at, yeah, yeah. and again, it's talking about categories, but just because these are the top hundred growing categories, which, which gives you a ton of information of where you might be able to switch niches. If you're like, Hey, this wasn't a profitable niche and now it is. But that doesn't mean that these are the top selling items, right? Like just because Breadmaker's number two doesn't mean that they're the number two selling items. There still might be another niche that's filling that spot. Uh, no, that's a good point. Valid point, right? I think this is now this data is from March 30th and then we're at the end of April, but I think it's still applicable. Now, what I did find fascinating is declining. I think so. Here's the anti bolo. I think this is legit info. I think the other one's legit info too, but I think this is too legit to quit info. Number one, luggage and suitcases. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. Who's traveling, right? Briefcases, cameras. That's maybe that's why the price of cameras have dropped so much. Have you tried to source cameras at all? Um, I actually just picked up a GH4 camera for my church. They're recording services. Uh, And so I bought a GH4, which is a camera I've always wanted. Um, And normally, normally they're like, I mean, last year when I was looking at them, they were like, 800 bucks, right? A couple of years ago, they were 1500 to $2,000. Now, like you can get them for like, you know, 500 bucks. I was able to get one on eBay for 450 and it came with like a ton of accessories, right? Like probably with all that stuff extra, even used in the eBay market should be selling for like $800, right? Yeah. So yeah, the, definitely the market on certain cameras. Now, there are certain cameras that are always going to hold their value depending on what you're looking at. But when you're thinking about just typical cameras, I could see that because a lot of people use them for vacationing. Plus with the 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 increase of camera phones like people unless they're like Mm-mm. professional videographers or photographers they're often not picking up those kinds of cameras anymore so just the market in general is kind of declining but what has happened is the market on specialized cameras is probably going up so um, if you've got certain types of cameras like if you've got full frame censored cameras uh, those are going to hold their value regardless of you know the market because those are such sought after cameras as opposed to yeah if you're just looking at consumer based digital camera that you know people would pick up and go to and take on vacation i could see that as being a continually declining market 
Yeah. So, and I, I, I like how you said that this is the same thing applies here with fastest growing. Same thing applies to fastest declining. Right. It doesn't mean that it's not selling. Right. Because in here, like in the 50s, you have men's shoes and the women's you have uh, in the 40s, you have women's shoes. I will say, though, men's more formal wear is at six. Yeah. I'm the tie and the slacks. I don't know. Maybe Ronnie Hart disagrees. He's a big time, you know, men's formal wear clothing seller. So if you're listening to Ronnie, let us know in the comments. Is this true? That is fast declining. Well, and if it's the category, that's tough, too, because it says that category is down 62 percent. Inside that category. Now, this is across all platforms, by the way, if you're wondering where the data it's like Walmart, Amazon, eBay, everybody. Yeah, and that's the thing too, is like men's formal wear might be declining by 62% if 80% of that, that, that market- Amazon or something? Well, no, yeah. no, but if 80% of that market is like middle of the road, but if you're like high-end, you know, clothing items, there might not have been a drop at all, right? So just because the category is dropping doesn't mean certain items in that category. Because like that's like saying vintage audio equipment. Well- or audio equipment. Well, some of it's going to drop, right? Like if you're just talking about like a random Bose or if you're talking about like a really nice home entertainment mm -hmm. center, like those markets are going to be very different. It'd be like saying Hawaiian shirts. There's a drop in Hawaiian shirts. Well, there's, when you go into a thrift store, there's a hundred Hawaiian shirts, but out of that hundred, only one of them is probably profitable anyways. Yeah, and I'm still selling them. Yeah. So yeah, so I get it. And it's not on there. Now, but if you had those other ones, that might've been a drop, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, was it Reagan says something that statistics lie? Somebody said that. I Terrible. I should have said what? There's a there's a quote about statistics lie. Mm. And they're quote. I'm gonna find it now. Well, I mean, they could say whatever you want them to say in a lot. Of, I mean, they're still useful. Like that's very useful. But again, you want to dig in deeper, right? Just because just because cameras are down, like there might be three or four cameras in the camera category that are actually up, and the vast majority of them might be staying the same, and a few of them have really dropped, right? And that's gonna bring that statistic of that whole category down. Oh yeah. Well, there's the old Mark Twain one that there are three kinds of lies. Lies, darn lies, you don't say, <laughs> and statistics, which is true. It's true. I mean, you could, you can, you can definitely manipulate statistics like crazy. But uh, hey, just ending on that note with that one, you know, they said there's a huge surge in home fitness. We already know that. Uh, but due to the increase in at home workouts, the gym bag category and many outdoors categories such as baseball and softball and track and field are in decline. So be aware, right? And it's weird because I've sold cleats, but not like I used to. You know what I mean? So that's good. This one I thought was interesting too. Many companies have implemented a work from home policy, driving demand for computer monitors, keyboards, and mice. I have mice that I need a list. Okay. I'm doing that today. Uh, and office chairs up as employees look to create a temporary home office. And then it talks about travel and you know how things have declined in travel. So I don't know. I see that, but then I see on the news, I see like f planes full of people. So is that real? I don't know. I don't know. I, I saw. Don't, I don't watch TV. I know. That's right. You, you are off the grid, Ron Sons and stuff. All right. Uh, okay. Last one. All right. So I thought this was interesting. And I, we haven't talked about this as much, but I have a real concern that, yes, e commerce is incredible. And I think this is changing habits for people that will not go back. Like, I think people will do a lot more e commerce now than has ever been done before. And but here's my other concern. Are major retailers going to jump on the e-commerce bandwagon? I think most of them already are. Uh, are they or? Name uh, a major retailer it, that's not online. No, no. I, I know. I get what you're saying. But are they all in? Do you know what I mean? Like, are they pushing? Like, is it? I don't know. I, I get it. Because like, you know, if you look at a pair of shoes, right? You'll end up like on a news site. And next, you know, that pair of shoes pops up everywhere, right? On the ads. 
But look, I'm looking at Adidas. Adidas CEO doubles down on e-commerce as 70% of its global stores remain closed, right? So there's that. But then there's the other side. I was, I was reading this uh, report on Forbes. Uh, retail stores create the new normal as businesses, businesses begin to open up. And what they did in the article is they, they studied China and what was going on in China. And supposedly, I mean, based on what their communist government is telling us, like, you know, the pandemic is done, right? There's nobody in the hospitals in certain parts and everything is reopened, right? So their stores, even though their stores being at like 95% open, they're only getting 30 to 40% traffic. And e-commerce is still exploding. So that's a positive for us, right? Because we're, I think right now we're at where China, if you know, you believe the data, we're at where China was, I would say February, right? That's where we're at right now in, I don't know, coming to May, right? I think. We don't know. <laughs> is it because is it because the data's off? I, I don't I don't I haven't looked at the that data, so I don't Well no, because supposedly, right, their quarantine ended a few weeks ago, right? Like they had lockdowns of lockdowns, right? Yeah, I think I think the the pretty much I mean, I haven't looked at that specific data, but I think overall people people aren't would say that that data are not accurate to like use as a comparison. So I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, we've been talking about this like in general, just like after, after this quarantine is over, you already, you go into Home Depot, you go into Costco, you go into wherever. It's depressing. Yeah. And they have, they have the, the plastic things up. Right. And and that's how you talk to people. And so the question is, you can't even talk to people because people are like, I was walking by people and I heard somebody saying, yeah, it's kind of weird. You can't tell people are annoyed by you or happy or sad. I go, and I overheard, I'm like, yep. So true. So true. I okay. Go ahead. Finish that. I have another thought to add. All right, I'll, I'll wait till you're done. Okay. No. Okay. So here's the other thing. What they noticed in this study was that people are now being more efficient shoppers. So they're not going in like trying on stuff. They're not going in like, hey, this looks kind of cool. They're like, this is what I need to get. I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna get my stuff. I'm gonna be out. Where online, like, you have a lot more options. Like, you're online, you can like think about it. You can look at it. You can put it in your cart. You can go back to it. So I just wonder if, like, yes. It is very true that e-commerce will be the main place that people will shop from now on. I don't know if it'll be the main place, but going back to what I was saying, like you go into these stores, they've got these plastic things up, right? Um, So the question then becomes, okay, so things begin to open up, what that looks like, slow trickle, things start to like, does that become the new normal? Do those things come down in six months or do those things stay up? And this is just like our kids are going to grow up and like, that's how stores are. Right. And so there's just a lot of unknowns about what, what that's going to look like. And so I think it's hard to say for sure. Um, I think, I think e-commerce will continue to grow, but I think brick and mortar retail is always going to have a big dominant place in society, at least for the foreseeable future. But event like this is kind of that black swan. It's like, I don't know, like that might, that might change things. But then again, even with this, I don't know if you, like I've been to Home Depot recently because I had to get something for my house and it's still like people are shopping, right? People have, people have, they got stimulus money, they have a project they want to do, or they need to fix their house or whatever the situation is. And even with this, there's the awkwardness, there's, but people are still going to brick and mortar stores, right? And so I think as this loosens up, there's always going to be, I think there's going to be a weird new normal for a while, maybe forever, who knows? But I don't see people saying like, I'm not going to brick and mortar stores. Like it's so ingrained at least into our generations. Now, future generations, younger kids um, who aren't necessarily grown up going to malls in the same way that we did, 
you know, who knows that that might start to shift as we were talking earlier about the buying power as the buying power shifts generations, then then that might change. But as of now, I don't know. I I think I think they're going to continue. Retailers are already online right now. Yeah, they're they're doubling down on their efforts because they don't have to double down on their efforts in retail stores because the stores aren't open. Um, but once they open back up, they're going to shift a lot of that focus back. Maybe they'll have built better infrastructure, and then yeah, is that good for us or is that or is that bigger competition for us to deal with? I don't yeah, know. That's what I don't know. What I do know is that. I think we have at least a good six months of e-commerce continuing to go well, right? And we'll know. I mean, if we hit recession levels and the economy doesn't bounce back, who knows, right? But I, I really think, I don't know. There's, there's a part of me that gets a sense that this is going to be a permanent shift. I think I think the day of of people... Now, because think about all the all the stuff that you're selling now. Like, how easy is it to go online, right? I I hate going to now. I'm not everyone, right? I know there's some people that love going in stores and love trying stuff on. Da 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 da. But if technology comes to a place that, like, you know, you think about like, uh, is it IKEA? Even Amazon, where you could do like augmented reality. Like, you don't ever even need to go to the store. Like, you can just check it out right there. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have to be a huge cultural shift, and th- I, I think there is a shift happening, but I don't know if it's a big enough shift because just think about how many people who are stuck at home, and some people are essential workers, they're still at work, but there's a lot of people who are like, they're pretty much locked down, they're staying at home, they're doing the shelter in place thing, and like a simple outing to like, I'm gonna go to the grocery store and go shopping is almost like a Oh, it, it really I get, is. I get to go out. Yeah. I get to like look at stuff in a store. I'm just going to slowly walk around the store, right? Like you get dressed up to go. So <laughs> if that's the case, I think it would take a lot for people to say like, you know what? Things have opened back up, but I'm just going to stay home and do everything online. Like there's still something inside of us that likes to go out and do things. And again, that might shift as you get a generation or two from now that are, are younger and they're growing up. And as they're used to augmented reality as, as things that they're used to doing and just being on their phones and less personal interaction. And they're not going to a mall to hang out when they're in high school and getting chased off by security guards for loitering or whatever. Like if that's not their childhood, then yeah, that might not, that might change and virtual hangouts become the cool new thing and zooms, but zoom will never replace for us because we have too much history, too much time of a personal interaction face to face now, if you grew up as a kid and that's how you went to school, if that's all you did, then maybe you wouldn't oh, care. Man, you wouldn't I feel, feel like, like you were missing something. Yeah, end up like Wally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We'll we'll all be in our big wheelchairs and we'll go around and <laughs> stop. You just push what you want just and it stop. comes to you, and you live in a virtual world. And yeah. yeah, I as much as I hate saying this, I'd rather e-commerce not do well and not have to live like that. That would be terrible. That would be just terrible. But. Agreed. E-commerce, I do believe, will take off. But we'll see. We will see. Again, it's all uncertain. You know, we're just philosophizing here. All right. Hey, so what are... Oh, we we need to do... It's been a longer episode. Yeah. Okay, what's your bolo? Uh, I got two bolos. Um, So the first one is... uh, I mean, they're both kind of generic, but the first one's interesting. I mean, we were talking about bread makers, and I think... If you were to go online right now and type in the word like homestead, uh, homesteading in your apartment, something like that, because there are people who do homesteads and like they they kind of they have their own sourdough starters and they milk goats and they use that to make cheese. And like they, they, they're basically self-sustained, right? There are people who like that's their lifestyle. And I'm noticing like in the same way that like minimalism kind of got popular for a while, I think this time of like quarantine is causing a lot of people to like look towards those things, right? Like what are some things that are 
um, I could do at home, right? Can I can I can and ferment my own food? Can I um, make my own kombucha drinks, right? Like there, there's a lot of people who are wanting to like even in small spaces figure out ways that they can um, one be like uh, environmentally friendly with the things that they have. So, anyways, the reason I bring this up is you're walking through Home Depot and you're in the garden section and you're seeing things that like, hey, these are things that people right now are looking to get. When I was at Home Depot because I had to get something. There's tons of people buying stuff to grow beans and strawberries and like strawberry growing kits and all of these things. And it's like, man, now is the perfect time because not everybody has access to stores that have these things. So if you have access or if you have this stuff already in inventory, I mean, I sold already like a ton of strawberry starter kits that I got at like the 99 cent store or I think some I got the 99 cent store and some I got at a at a thrift store, but they were like $2.99 each. And it's just like a hanging upside down, like, you know, those upside down tomato fruit, like people are buying those things right now. One, it's the season. And two, there's this like, man, like stores, like, I don't know if I could trust them. Like maybe I'll grow my own food. And I think one of the things that's really big right now are things like kombucha, right? Like people drinking kombucha stuff teas. Is terrible. I think it tastes pretty good. Terrible. But, but yeah, people growing kombucha. Sour water, drink sour water. So, um. With those types of things, there's a big push and more and more people are wanting to do it themselves, right? So even if it's like, hey, I don't feel safe bottling my own kombucha and selling it because I don't want to get a food handler's license and all of the insurance involved in that, but there's people making it at home, right? What are the things they need? Moonshiners, Mason, kombucha. Yeah, like mason jars and and cheesecloth. And like, so maybe you put together a kit. Maybe you've like, what are the things people, like I said earlier, candle making stuff? Like there's a lot of people doing home projects, home like things that you would think of like a homesteader doing and just the average city goer is doing these things now. A lot of them are like, hey, like, you know, I want to be able to grow my own herbs. I want to. So look for those things. Those might be things that are worth picking up. And the other thing, too, is uh, Mother's Day is coming up. And so that's a big one, right? Like whenever you have a time like that, maybe even go through your store and and find items that could be gifts and just put that in the title, right? Like Mother's Day. Uh, that might be things that either you should go pick up, right? Like do I pick up? I have right now I'm looking at in my office. I have one of those like um, clay uh, or plaster. You put your handprint, your kid's handprint in it. And you could write the date. Like those types of things probably are going to skyrocket right now because Mother's Day is coming up. And so what are things that mothers are looking for for Mother's Day? Can you source any of those items? Do you have those items already that you can get listed? And can you look through your store and add tags like Mother's Day to those listings uh, that might increase visibility and uh, turn over some sales? Interesting. Interesting bolo. That's creative. So maybe Etsy, you could do some of that too. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing do it your own, like do it yourself, like if you're making this stuff, but if you're just like, hey, like here are items, like here are vases for Mother's Day. Like you're not necessarily like making a vase and painting. I feel like Etsy is more like you're crafting the item. Mm -hmm. Whereas like I could put together a kombucha kit, which is some mason jars and some some cheesecloth. And you know what I mean? Like that stuff can go and just put like kombucha kit or kombucha jars. And then I don't have to like make something and decorate it and sell it on Etsy. Okay. All right. So my mine's kind of the same. I, mine's home cooking equipment. Okay. Not just bread makers, but you know, mixers. Hey, here's here's the thing. All of us have equipment. Well, not all of us, but many of us have equipment in our house that we never used. It's just been sitting there. Right? I have, you know, I have a Starbucks machine that I never use because I don't drink coffee. I've had a bread maker before that I never used because I never care to make bread. I have uh not not a Vitamix, but I've had other kind of mixers in there that I never used. So I, I think this stuff is selling because yeah, people are just 
learning to be number one, economy wise, right? Be more resourceful, right? Not going out to eat. And this is why this is what turning the businesses too, is not just because, you know, people can't go out and eat. The other one is people are trying to save their money. And, and one of the best ways to save money is not to go out to eat, right? You make your own food. And so I, I think a lot of people are trying to find those and they're trying to find it economically at a better price, right? If I could buy a bread maker for a hundred bucks instead of paying 200, why wouldn't I? Right now, it all depends. Like I, I can't buy new stuff that food is going to be in. That's just my thing. Like I just, but there's a lot of people that can, right? Just like people can't wear new shoes, right? But I can, right? There's just, there's different kind of buyers out there. So take a look. And what I mean, home cooking equipment, I'm not saying like, look at like your utensils. I'm talking about take a look at anything that you have to plug in, right? And probably not a toaster, but you know, if you have... Anything specialized, if you have a griddle, if you have, I mean, look up comms, do the research, but you know, bread makers has been the easiest bolo of all, but I know right now, like people, you know, some people can't get to Starbucks and some people, did we, did you share this as a bolo at some point? I feel like you did an espresso machine. Did you ever bring that oh, up one time? But it's, it's happening more and more and more and more. So if there's machines that you're not using, just list it, Right. Again, inventory light, even if it means from your own kitchen, if there's stuff that's just been sitting there that you haven't used, listen, I remember at one point and I, I don't know what it, how it's right now, but there was a lot of, you know, those indoor grills, you know what I'm talking about? Where like you plug it in and it's supposed to, I mean, it doesn't taste the same Do you get what I'm saying. Like, but it's supposed to be an indoor grill and, and you should be able to sell it. Like, Hey, you know, those may be selling. Now, if you go online, right, you can buy some cheap ones, but maybe you have a name brand one that is different than the others and you could sell it for more. I'm actually looking on online right now because I, I want to make sure that my stuff is valid. But yeah, I mean, obviously the George Foreman machine isn't like a hot seller. Remember the George Foreman machine? Mm -hmm. I love that thing. That was so easy to cook. But maybe you have a George Foreman machine that you haven't touched in ages. And maybe if you have one of the bigger ones, you could sell it for 30 to 40 bucks. And I'm pretty sure people are willing to buy right now because they're unwilling to go to a store. So Keep an eye, take a look at from, and again, I'm trying to help you guys out because I know you can't go sourcing, right? So we're looking at things. Hey, what is stuff around the house that you can sell, right? Waffle makers is a big one, right? Waffle makers is one that was a bolo even before all this hit. So take a look. I'm looking at some George Foreman girls that are selling at a, hey, parts, the trays, the grease strip tray. Like if you have a grease strip tray, which is kind of gross, but hey, there's some selling for like 11 to 15 bucks. Right. So, hey, why not take a look in your kitchen, find machines that aren't working or well, not aren't working, haven't been used and sell them. So, all right. What are you looking forward to here? Um, this isn't really looking forward to, but like kind of ongoing is this trailer hunt. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's it's rough. Like trailers are a lot more expensive than I originally anticipated. Okay. okay. Uh, and so I'm just still like combing Craigslist. I've had lots of uh, failed attempts at trying to get them cheaper. And I was thinking about building out a trailer from a, like Harbor Freight. You can buy a pretty cheap, like just flatbed trailer from them. But it, it, it no matter what I do, like I'm not going to be able to build it like nice enough that I'm going to be proud of it. It's just going to look like a heap of wood. Uh, and so <laughs> just based off of my ability. Um, so I, I need to buy like a, a, like a enclosed cargo trailer already done. And man, they're just so expensive. So I'm just on the hunt for that, trying to figure out. Um, and, and part of it too is like, yeah, I could rent and I'm trying to even decide like, is that the better bet? Like I could rent a trailer anytime I go across country or do these trips or if I end up going to auctions or whatever. But the nice thing is when you buy these trailers, what I've noticed is 
they hold their value, right? Like a 2006 mm. cargo trailer is selling for almost the same price as a brand new one. Uh, and part of it is they hold their value. So do I buy a trailer, fork out the money, use it for several years, and then if I ever need to sell it, I sell it and it's still better than renting because I basically get my money back, right? Mm. So, you know, just trying to figure that out. And, uh, you know, so if we've got any listeners who've got advice on, um, you know, trailers or anything like that, or if you, if you, I uh, know of somebody who's getting rid of a, a a small cargo trailer, you know, have them hit up Pure Hustle Podcast. Do a road trip? Yeah. Oh my goodness. What uh, about you? So, you know, I did write down sourcing auctions and uh, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, when I was putting this together, I actually was going on some auctions and I'm going to do more. I, I What I need is I need a list like, you know, government ones, seizure ones, like, I need to, I need to find what's local. Like, so I, I want to research. I don't want to go into this blindly and just go to whatever random. I want to see what options I have available, right? Auctionzip.com is a great tool, but I want to see what's available. Obviously right now there's no live auctions, but you know, I want to make, just like I have connections with managers at thrift stores, I have connections with people that sell estates. I want to have connections with people that run auctions. So I'm going to slowly dip my, my toes into all that. And then I'm looking at growing my eBay store more. I really, I'm really believing that, you know, I think 500 was like, and maybe it's like 700 now. I don't know the magic number to have consistent sales. And then I, I, to me, 1500 items was the one like you could go full time on as long as you're still listing. I'm beginning to think if I hit 3k plus in my listings, it's going to be a really good place to be. And so I'm going to keep pushing. I'm at close to 2,200. I want to be at 3K listing sometime by the summer, but that's going to take some heavy, heavy listing. So listing and lifting. So that's my goal. I want to get to 3K listings. And then I want to debate whether I want to jump back into Amazon retail arbitrage if things still, you know, begin to open up. Um, it's been kind of nice not to lose money on Amazon. Because pretty much anything I list on eBay, I know I'm going to win. On Amazon, it's like, ah, I might lose 3000 here, but I might make another 10000 here. And I just don't like that game. So it's kind of where I'm at. So again, I have nothing. Okay, I have, a, I have a lot of grievances with Amazon, but I still think it's a viable platform to make money on. So I want to end on that note because I feel like I'm anti-Amazon, but I'm, I'm not a huge fan. But you work with who you have. You just deal with it. So... All right, anything you want to add to the end of our podcast here before we say goodbye? Nope. All right, with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Please.